Hello, it's Lita here from Community Finance Ireland, and welcome to our podcast series. Changemakers are in every community, they're in every city, and they're down every rural road, right across the island of Ireland. This series meets with those amongst us who choose change. Their stories demonstrate what can be done when we work together. And here at Community Finance Ireland, we speak finance, but we hear people. And we really do hope you enjoy listening to them. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to the Community Finance Island podcast. Um, we're here this morning in Armagh with Sinead Real, who is the chairperson of the Armagh Ladies Gaelic Football uh, Association, a fanatical sports lady, uh, very much into her football and uh, her having played for a number of years. And Sinead, you're very welcome. Thank you very much for spending some time to talk to us today. Uh, we're delighted to have you. Um, for those that have not been part of the Armagh Ladies Football Club, and let's be really um, let's be really clear with the listeners here, we're actually speaking to a lady who's making sporting history in, across the island of Ireland because you've created something very unique for those that love the Gaelic football game. Tell, tell us a little bit about the organisation. Well, um, basically I'm the chair of Armagh Ladies Gaelic Football Association, which covers over 32, 33 clubs. Um, <clears throat> so basically, I sort of am the head of a committee, a very hard working committee. I don't take all the credit myself. Um, oh. I have a great committee behind me. And we are probably, and I think, you know, we've done our research. We are the first county in the whole of Ireland to um, develop a, a, a playing facility for females only and that yeah. they have full access to it. Um, and it's something that is new to to the island of Ireland. Yes, the whole the whole country, um, and we actually have over two thousand playing members. And um, yeah, and so they play every week, every month. Those girls range from ten years of age to whatever. So yeah. those girls and ladies from uh, ten years of age and upwards could be playing every night of the week. So whether it be training or whether yeah. it be competitive matches, there's obviously then different evenings for different age groups. And then you develop those players then to uh, become county players in the long term to play nice. for Armagh. So, you know, okay. it's like it's like clubs in the soccer equivalent of playing for their local clubs and they've yeah. been picked to play for Northern Ireland or the Republic of Ireland. And so that's a lot of women playing um, sport every week. But you also provide training for those ladies in terms of refereeing or you know, coaching qualifications and possibly first Yeah, so everything off the pitch as well also yeah. has to be covered. Um, but yeah. probably to keep everybody right. Yeah. In particular, our coaches who are yeah. maybe setting targets for people. And, you know, you want to keep those people protected because at the end of the day, they're giving up their time. They're not taking yeah. any money. They're volunteering. This is a voluntary organization. Yeah. There is nobody receives payment. And within and how many moment, volunteers do you currently have, Sinead? Well... You can't count at club level because I wouldn't know every how many volunteers are within each club. But for example, if you have six teams or seven teams at each age group, say, in a club, you need at least two to three people with those teams. So yeah. at ladies football level in a club, you would need at least 20 volunteers to man, you know, the big numbers. Can I ask you, Sinead, how did you actually get involved? I mean, was it the love of sport or was it a family connection? Or It definitely would have been family, I would say. Yeah. Um, my, we're, I'm one of four at home. Um, and the eldest in our house is a boy and then there's three girls. So okay. um, my brother was obviously playing football all the time. My father was the, the chairman of the local club here. Yeah. 
and we basically lived in our football club and so if you weren't at home you were in the football field yeah. there was not ladies football in our club at that time and my father then established ladies football in 1990 in our local parish club here yeah. um, and so he was, then, quite, he was quite futuristic in his thinking obviously quite futuristic and a lot of people actually were very negative at the time like oh ladies playing football oh yeah so it was a type of an attitude yeah. so he then at that time decided look um, I'll set up the whole thing. I'll take the team. I'll, you know, I'll pay for the jerseys so so that the club weren't out an expense. And um, so at that time, he set the whole thing up. We had I, I'll never forget the first meeting we ever had. Uh, we, I put posters up all around the local shops. I was only ten or eleven at the time. Yeah. And I put posters up all around the local shops, and there was fifty-four people turned up. Fifty-four women from from my age to, you know, 20, 25, yeah. which probably when you were 10, you were looking at the 25 year old going, God, she's a bit old to be playing football. <laughs> but I you know. needed that 25 year old down the lane. So, yeah. Um, yeah, so I'll never forget that. Now, girls of all abilities, uh, people who couldn't run, never mind, you know, walk, never mind run, sorry. Uh, yeah. yeah, none of those. So we had to start from scratch, basic skills. It took us maybe five years to actually win a match, but we stuck okay. at it and we stuck at it and we stuck at it. And then we won our first title in um, probably, I think it was 1987. Okay. And so is that what makes it successful? The fact that you've got all of these different age uh, and that, that it's the love of sport and it's the promotion and the fostering of these women's ability to play the sport that they love. Yeah, because I think um, passion is the biggest thing that drives any, any of us on at anything, whether it be work or sport or whatever it is. You have to love what you do. Yeah. Um, people say to me, how do you do what you do? Sinead? Where do you find the time? And, you know, if you love something, you'll do it. Um, yeah. And you'll make time for that. So I do believe that, you know, the, the voluntary side of um, Ladies Gaelic Couple and also the GAA is all based on people's passions. Um, yeah. They unite and the love and of it. hard work, yeah, dedication, yeah. hard work, passion. So it's 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 all about working together, which is massively important in in that. Um, in and Sinead, can I ask you then for our listeners the social impacts? I mean, obviously there is a there is an awful lot of women involved both on the pitch and off the pitch. Social impacts in terms of what you're delivering or what you would see. Well, uh, where we're actually building this facility is in a very, very rural um, countryside. Uh, literally, like the views are fantastic. It's actually one of the probably beautiful to actually stand on the pitch and look around you. And remind um, the, for the for the listeners, remind them where that pitch facility is actually going to be, so they can visualise it. So where? So we're basically, not far from Nuri, are we? We're you're five minutes off the motorway, five minutes out of the motorway from Newry from, from the clog roundabout. Um, you're also then five minutes from the Carrickdale Hotel, which is coming from the south side. So you're literally, I think it's one mile to the exact measurement off the motorway um, to the pitch from both sides. So if you're coming from the south or the north, so for example, if we were playing a county team from Cork or Kerry, or it's so easy, accessible. And plus yeah. then the Carrickdale are our main sponsors. So, yeah. you know, we have that facility then within a five minute um, drive. Again. So the actual location for the new pitch, the social impacts will be, it's bringing people to a rural area. So, well, this, this actual area, all that, all that is in this area currently is your chapel, which is actually at the minute being renovated. So then the people okay. can't, well, not with COVID anyway, it's not happening, but the chapel is actually being renovated. So they're losing that Sunday gathering. Um, and there's a school, there's a play group. But outside of that, um, there's like there's no shop, there's yeah. no post office. You have to actually physically leave the area to go to get your basic amenities. Um, which I think something like this is actually gonna help 
the killing yeah, anchor that sort of facilities yeah yeah because there's going to be more there's going to be more people there's going to be more traffic there's going to be more activity around the pitch it will be used every night of the week it'll be used um during the day we have offered yeah. we've offered the facility to the local primary school yeah we're saying to them look it's going to be lying there during the day let's you know let's work together with this okay um, and then we've also then encouraged and helped a new local committee has set up called Kishcha Killian. So they have actually set up um, themselves to work with us mm-hmm. alongside the facility so that down the line they can provide these facilities for their children in their locality to see if having to take them out of the area and the elsewhere. New, so the new pitch itself, like, I mean, how, how big is it? Like, what's the actual... Uh, actual, actual size is like a proper playing football field. So you're okay. talking about 82 or 3 metres by... Well, I'm not 100% sure off the top of my head. <laughs> <laughs> but I know that the old existing field that was there, yeah. we have lengthened it and widened it to make yeah. it a proper, um, proper full-size GA pitch. And the ambition also is that you're going to have floodlights and you're going to have proper changes. Floodlight, floodlights were in the All built around female needs. Yeah. Fl- yeah. Floodlights, we're actually in the process at the minute of inquiring about um, floodlights and fencing. The pitch itself at the minute, um, is the surface is unbelievable. Um, it's like a yeah. golf course. So you have um, this new facility called stone mattressing. Is that what the field is being laid yeah, with? So, technology? So that's yeah, so that's best, best in field, best in best yeah. in sporting facilities, yeah. right? So current current contracts who are a company in Armagh here and yeah. they have they have come on board as our contractor for the yeah. for the pitch work. And um, Mark has been brilliant throughout. Um, and to be fair, I think that he's probably really looking after us as well because it's his yeah. own county. Yeah. And there's probably he's yeah. going to have maybe members of his family involved or whatever down the lane. It could be his own daughters or daughters or kids, whatever down the lane. Um, so basically, uh, when we priced the whole work initially, they had talked about fixing the drain, the existing drainage, and all the yes. rest. And then Mark had suggested to us, yes, this is an extra couple of pound, but there's a new system called a stone mattress system. So yeah. basically, that the mattress, the pitch, it's like a basic bed mattress. So it's the whole size of the pitch. Yeah. So the water comes, the rain comes, it basically sprinkles and disperses straight away down instead of actually going to find a main drain where you could have then a wet patch around the pitch. Um, okay. So the stone mattress then acts as, as this barrier and the, and the rain or the, the heavy rain maybe if it ever comes, falls down and disperses evenly so that you're not left with wet patches all patches, over. Yeah. So yeah. ultimately it's better, it makes it more, ava- more available for you to actually play on it in all weathers. Yes, because we... Our, 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 our yeah. busiest time, our busiest yeah. time for Arma is from November to March. Okay. So yeah. the worst so you're playing, in, you're playing in rain and wet yeah. and wind. It's yeah. not you're yeah. not playing in the sunshine. Can I yeah. talk to you then? Um, so it's so unusual that this kind of sporting history moment is being made in Arma, and that you you're the first female club to actually have purpose built pitch and services for women. Um, how does that come about as an idea for your for your team and the collaboration of the volunteers and someone that you spoke about earlier? Yeah, so obviously you were playing sport for years, you didn't have your own facilities. So you're what are you doing? You're renting facilities, you could be moved around, yeah. you might know you're going to play at a pitch and then suddenly you're told you can't. Um what where's the tipping point to say we need our own and how do you even think about making that a possibility? Um, just to clarify, Lita, now it's, it's a county facility, right? So yeah. I'm, and it's not a club because all the clubs are made up, and then the clubs then make the county. Okay. Okay. So just to be, um, 
So basically, I'm the chair of the county. So then yeah. this training facility is initially for all the county teams. Yeah. So what happened? What was happening was, um, like I played for Armagh right up until 2004 when Rosina was born, but then I continued on to play a club. Yeah. But there were girls who, and uh, I have a sister who was playing um, again for Armagh up until last year as well. So they could have been um, a text message at lunchtime and say, girl, yeah. sorry, um, we've just lost that pitch. We need to go and look for somewhere else. Yeah. So this was going on for years and years and years. And the idea had been toyed about with about four or five years ago when my father was actually chairperson of the county yeah. as well. And we had approached another club, but it didn't work out. Okay. Um, and we had this then in the back of our head. And it was actually my dad then that had said to me, Sinead, why, you know, why not approach the people of Killian? The pitch is lying there. You know, nobody's using it. Yeah. So it was an ideal opportunity. Venue-wise, venue um, it's perfect. Um, and secondly, it, it wasn't vested in the GAA. It was private ground. Okay. So basically, you know, we had no ties then to the GAA, which would have, been, would have meant a lot of paperwork and okay. a, lot of, a lot of red tape for us to try and get through. Okay. So we really couldn't turn this down. We knew, you know, it was going to take a lot of work and it still is going to take a lot of work and a lot of fundraising. Um, but you can't, we, you know, we just couldn't accept anymore in this day and age that girls who are professional in their own everyday working life are giving up their voluntary time to play for their county jersey. That one minute you could be training in Lorgan and yeah. the next minute, no, you're training in... Your training Yeah, the logistics so, even for them. For girls, yeah, for girls working, leaving work, you know, you're preparing yep. yourself for what you eat before training. You know, how yeah. far have I to travel to go to training? And all of that there comes into, you know, the professionalism that our senior team in particular want yeah. and need to have to aim to be you know successful and so you, you so you've got this you're kind of seeing all your all the girls across the county having this struggle you see yeah. the opportunity for this pitch you know you have a conversation and you say to yourself we need to make this pitch ours so that must be the tipping point then where you say to yourself well how are we actually going to fund this yeah and, and how do we actually go about that so talk to us a little bit about what happened there um who well, did you go to for funding and how did you even figure that out yeah, so um, uh, Barry, my development officer, and Vincent, my treasurer, um, Barry McGorgan and Vincent Mallon, they had both done all the work on the negotiations. Mm. And they had seen, Barry in particular, I think, had seen USIT being used in local clubs um, for different facilities, floodlight, yeah. etc. Um, so between Vincent and Barry, they were negotiating with Peter um, on what we needed and how we could go about it and how we could afford it. Yeah. And um, which was the big thing because I am constantly, you know, penny pinching at times. Oh, you look at the affordability. You know, yeah. So we need to watch our pennies and how are we yeah. going to pay for this? And, you know, so, and uh, I would be a massive advocate of fundraising all the time. So, yeah. Something I would say would be like, well, if we don't have the money, we don't buy it. So, yeah. you know, Vincent was like, let's take a chance on this. And Barry was like, you know, let's. So I was. You know, definitely behind. So you had a good they... finance team internally exactly. on the board, and they helped you get the confidence to say, "Well, look, if we want to continue this work now, the only way to do it is to yeah. actually have that pipeline of cash. Yeah. It was so the only, you know it's it was there, the only and you can keep you can keep moving." Um, and yeah. how was that experience? Did they? I mean, is it an reasonably easy to deal with the team? I mean, you mentioned Peter from Usage um, and Community Finance Ireland. Was it reasonably easy for them to deal with that? Absolutely no hassle whatsoever. Um, Vincent, in fairness, as treasurer, probably had to, I'm nearly sure at the time, I think had to email our, you know, like our bank statements yeah. and different bits and pieces yeah. and see where we were financially. 
Um, Peter then came up and met myself and I think it was Vincent or Barry or maybe all three of us at the site. Um, so you got a then, personal visit to come up? Yes, yeah, so he, he, he came up to see what, you know, what our plans were yeah. and what we needed to do and and he probably just maybe was getting a bit of homework on me as well, just to make sure I wouldn't you know, <laughs> I want to see you. mess him about or anything, you know. So, um, yeah, so basically um, met Peter up at the site and yeah. like literally within a couple of days, yeah. um, you you know, the whole lot was sorted out. The money so they buy into around. what you're trying to do, obviously. And obviously if you've got a really good fundraising um, capability within the community and that's already yeah. proven, then, you know, that's that's 50% of the battle. Exactly, I yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, can I ask you then, the, the impact of getting that funding so relatively easy at that moment, how did that feel for the board and for the team and all yeah, of your... To be honest, um, I personally was like, quite shocked we just you know got it so quick and yeah this is it you know you know give mark Horn the phone call we're ready yeah. to go here yeah and um, and then obviously, obviously your finance directors and your treasurer are really good at this kind of stuff that's probably yeah, well, v- v- vincent vincent is the treasurer and and yeah. he's we I call him the money man and then barry's the paperwork man so you know okay. i have a good I have a good team of volunteers there behind us and and you know just on the pitch side of things yeah. for this and um, but yeah, to be honest with you, I couldn't believe how quick it all turned around. And basically, you know, we we didn't um, we didn't take all the money down in one. We we paid yeah. we paid off as we could, and then we paid the contractor as we could. And in, yeah. in fairness, everybody worked well together. And like the contractors now, you know, fully finished and paid off. Yeah. And we're you know we're well into you know starting to pay off our 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 loan as well, which is great. Um, yeah. But without that, without that, there is no way we would be where we are today. And, and the impact of that, then, does it just completely re-energize everybody again? Because you think, well, actually, now we're really going into the next phase, and we're handing over something for the next generation. I mean, yeah. Well, I think when people in what yeah. you're doing here, like there's nobody else on the island has done what you've done. So you're 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 yeah. a change maker in that you've set the standard now. Yeah, the, the the thing about it is, I think the big thing that works is when people start to see the work happening in yeah. the locality. Everybody's talking about it now, and yeah. you know we go over and we take sort of photographs and we try to post them on social media yeah. to show people here's yeah. what's happening, here's what's happening next. And um, like the next phase of fencing, we have a local building contractor who has come on board to say, look at, I fit that fence for free. You know, I don't want, I don't want uh, you paid. They just the want a bit to do a bit, you know, they're just saying exactly. to really believe in the bigger picture of it all. Can yeah. I ask you then for some of the listeners who might be watching or, or listening in and saying to themselves, well, I'm, I'm down here um, in another part of the country and, you know, we've got a, a community of people who are passionate about sport and we may want to continue to progress. What kind of insights can you help or share with people who are maybe a bit further behind where you are? Like, what have you learned in the time that you're chairman and moving this kind of organization, constantly forward planning, forward thinking? Yeah. Um, First of all, you have to have a good committee. Yeah. You can't do this on your own. There's nobody can do it on their own. Yeah. Um, And also have a committee who want to work, who don't uh, put their hand up and go, I'll do this. But then it's not done. And it's not so, done. Yeah. Yeah. So you need you need people who put their hand up have to follow through. Yeah. That's first and foremost. And uh, you do need a big massive um fundraising drive or fundraising efforts behind you to yeah. know, right? Well, we have to continue. It's like it's like having a mortgage of a house and not going to work. Yeah. Who's gonna pay the mortgage? Exactly. So, um 
you, you do have to have a good fundraising uh, ethic and uh, behind you, your committee as well. And again, everybody must buy into that fundraising because otherwise then you can't sustain what they're, yeah. what they're going to do. Um, and the other thing I would say is definitely, if you think you have those two, take the risk, take the chance, go for it. Um, and, uh, and maybe then find somebody who's prepared to take the risk. Um, exactly. And you're still as passionate about it as you were even when you were playing. Is it different when you stop playing and you're still involved? Like what happens in that transition? Because I, I hear a lot of people who've played and then they have to stop. Not because they don't want to, but the legs don't play. Yeah, the body, the the body gives in. I probably would still be playing competitively, only that I um, moved clubs. So, okay. um, yeah. So I, up until two years ago, I was playing, you know, maybe three yeah. years ago, two years ago, I don't know, I'm starting to lose track of age. But then when we moved clubs, then I just thought, right, hang the boots up now and that's it. Um, and now I play Gaelic for mothers and others with, with the club that we're with and it's unbelievable. The crack is 90. There are no, you know, um, you're not allowed to keep score or anything, which is, was mind-baffling for me at the very you? start. <laughs> no, having played competitively, yeah. it's all about the score, yeah. isn't it? Oh, and no, it the winning. Winning it score. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, no... Um, no scorekeeping, no whatever. And oh then, you know, then eventually I did see down the lane. And, you know, when you do take the competitive hat off and the crack you have with people yeah. and women on the field of all ages, all abilities, you know, it's a laugh a minute. And I, I, and I would encourage anybody actually to get involved, whether you are Gaelic football orientated or not. It's a social, yeah. it's a social element and it's something for women to have. Like we have a group there and a group text. And even without the football you know, you just put a text in and everybody rallies around and that's it. You know, if somebody's not well or somebody needs help or, yeah. you know, which is... So a you're really, it's a real community feeling with everybody. Sinead, I want to say thank you to, on behalf of um, Community Finance Ireland and the listeners. It is so brilliant to talk to a lady who's so passionate about creating groundbreaking facilities <laughs> for women. Um, I think uh, everybody should plug into your website and see the progress that you're making up there. There is sporting history being made and it's being made by Sinead Reel and her team there. And for those people who love the sport, keep the love going and generation-wise keep passing it on. And thank you so much for coming to talk to us, Sinead. And I don't know where you're going this evening, whether you're going to the mothers and others and you're kicking the ball or wherever you're going, keep doing what you're doing and we'd be delighted to talk to you. Great, Lita. Thanks very much. From our team at Community Finance Island, thank you to those volunteers and leaders who spent time sharing their success and determination. We hope you found some useful insights while listening here. Their stories demonstrate that dreamers are always welcome in our communities. You may be a dreamer today, but you too could be the change maker of the future. Be sure to subscribe to this series and tune in to hear our next story coming soon.